You're listening to the one of us.net podcast network. One of us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio based or banner ads, but on a case by case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at one of us.net at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at $2, $5, $10, or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. Anyway, to start this. So, just like, mm. so there we I'm were. Distracted by the funny faces you guys are making. We are professional here. I don't know what you're talking about. I've just been putting my creepy paper away. You know, Halloween is over. You know, it's it, the spoop is falling out of the air, and I've had to mop it off the floor. You know, so we're talking about what we do in the shadows, not the movie. Oh, we're just jumping right in there. Okay. Yeah, but the TV show. Yeah. <laughs> He said, I don't know what to say. I'm like, all right, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, we got no good intro, so we just improvised an intro like a lot of the show where it's just like, hey, whatever we thought up at the top of our head. Look, this is a thing that's happening, and you're just going to roll with it because I said so. Yeah. And this is me exercising my non-vampiric, relentlessly tired powers on you. Boom. That's the show. <laughs> I compel you to do the review, Justine. That's right. Do it. <laughs> Oh, boy. Yeah, so this is what we do in the shadows, the third season of this comedy horror mockumentary show created by technically Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement, but Jermaine Clement's listed as the main showrunner for the entirety of this thing, which, hey, that's good, because honestly, the first two seasons really have been great companion pieces to the original movie, like didn't miss a beat almost from those. A heartbeat? (laughs) Boo. <laughs> Sorry, I will pun all day long about vampires. You know, that feels appropriate for this review, so <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> but yeah, so we are on the third season, and, you know, just right off the bat, just so I don't have to make this a thing throughout the entire review, yes, this clearly was a show that was a COVID casualty, because it looks notably scaled back compared to the previous seasons, because <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's fewer locations, I think they reused a couple locations several times throughout the season, like, the exercise place is a lot like the other exercise place that they have later. Yep. And then, I feel like it was one of those things where it's like, there were so many guest stars in the first few seasons, and in here we had Kristen Shaw and Donald Logas himself. That was funny. <laughs> that was a good joke. I love that, like, the earlier seasons when they had the Vampiric Council, it was all actors who had played vampires in movies and I was like fuck yes yeah and then they just went with it they're like wait he's playing a character no he's playing actual Donald Logue who is a vampire look art is serious business okay film is art <laughs> art is art art is love and that was one of my favorite jokes of the entire season to be fair so but yes this is the review I am Justin Zarian over here we got Tessa blah blah and we got Mayhem's muse over here Jennifer Jennifer the relentlessly tired for the purpose of this review thank you very much Mm-hmm. <laughs> Titles matter. So, basically, this season picks up very quickly after the second season, where it's the fallout of Guillermo, which, you know, sorry, mild spoilers for the previous two seasons here, but Guillermo eviscerated a bunch of the vampires in this area, pretty much, on that cliffhanger. And it's kind of the fallout of that, and because Guillermo pretty much killed all the leaders in the area, 
the main three are considered as potential replacements to step up on the Vampiric Council in the New York region. So that's kind of the overarching plot of specifically Nandor and Nadia deciding who's going to actually become the supreme leader or if they could possibly share it, which... You know they can't. No. <laughs> kind of thing. Look, wholesale vamp slaughter is absolutely a recognized form of starting a new government. You know, this is fine. This is how this is how these things happen. Meanwhile, there's also the other subplot that mostly focuses on Colin Robinson and Laszlo to a degree as well, where Colin is intrigued by the idea of maybe seeing where the origin of energy vampires came from, which I didn't think was going to be a thing they discussed because it's just like okay, energy vampires are just a thing. But they're a rare breed, apparently. So it's all researching. Who are they? What are they doing? And then there's also the other other subplot with Guillermo kind of realizing that he learned a bit more about himself than he thought <laughs> over the course of their story. It's kind of a nice surprise. I won't fully spoil it. But, you know, it's one of those things where it really pushes him as a character to the point where I think, honestly, his, his story and Nandor's character development were probably the big dramatic highlights of the entire season i would say you know for a show that's mostly a comedy at least <laughs> oh yeah portions i really enjoyed was on the vampiric council where guillermo was like kind of like trying to pull the strings like behind the scenes and like manipulate things like he's trying to be like worm tongue but it never really kind of pans out in his favor he's like no wait no <laughs> and it's just so it's so funny and so cute to see guillermo try to be conniving it made me very happy yeah, no, he's a, he's adorable this season for the most part. You know, it's just it's, it's a nice little dimension they added to his character. He's my least favorite character. I'm gonna be real about it. I just, I'm I'm a little over stalker Guillermo, but Colin Robinson is my boy, and that's that's my take on this show. No, I I love that each ser- each season of this show they go in the most random direction possible that I could not have predicted. <laughs> It keeps me guessing, and it keeps me laughing, and I'm just, they can just do so many seasons of the show, and I'll be happy with it. Like, what the hell are they going to pull out of their pockets next? I don't know, but I'm here for it. You see, I'm kind of the opposite of you in the sense that, one, I feel like this show, I mean, this season wasn't as random as I was hoping it would be, in the sense that they kind of fell back on some very traditional plots because of the restrictions they had on the filming, it felt like, on a few occasions. The world building itself was the unpredictable part, but the actual stories are like, yeah, it's sitcoms. I also wasn't as crazy about Colin Robinson until the stuff at the end with his character, I felt like. Wait, I want I'm have a question. What plot points are overused? The falling in love with a siren or the cloak of duplication and all of your friends trying to hit on a girl for you or the... But those are stories that have been done in other shows, just different. Like I'm saying, the actual world building is unique, but... The plots themselves are pretty, you know, rote comedy shows. Isn't of. that kind of the whole point of this show? Is that it's just a spoofy take on every trope that's ever been made known to mankind about vampires? Like, isn't that the point of this? It is. Mm-hmm. I just felt like that it wasn't as clever as the previous two seasons. Because the previous two seasons had some really unique stuff going on with them. This one, again, I can't fully blame them. It feels like they had to make do with what they had. They probably had other plans that got a bit derailed by external forces that were out of their control in this situation. Who do we blame? <laughs> Light your torches. Let's get our pitchforks. No, I'm kidding. All right, I'm here for it. All right, let's go. <laughs> Cloak yeah. up, my friends. One of the characters that had a bit of development, I think, that that Justin, I think you were saying, wasn't in it a lot, but I felt developed a fair amount, was Laszlo. He, he, you, you say he's like just here for the dick jokes, but 
And that is kind of his character in a nutshell. We he starts to like form friendships, you know? Like he's friends with his human neighbor, Sean. Like he doesn't talk down to him like he talks down to Guillermo, you know, like who's a human. And then he, you know, forms a bond with Colin Robinson and is like hanging out with him more and they're all buddy buddy. And you kind of start to see that Laszlo is is kind of like a little squishy teddy bear on the inside. He's not as much of a jackass as he wants you to think, you know? I like that. There's some beautiful scenes between him and Nadia as well, which were lovely. Yeah, that came later in the season because it felt like at first it was a little aimless with his character. But by the end, they had come around a bit on his character development. And Nadia really came into her own this season. She's the powerhouse of this whole season, driving everything, telling everybody how to be the boss. Yeah, she is kind of the most proactive character in this whole season. She's the only one who arguably has some part of her shit together. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, it's hard to say too much about this show without giving away a lot of the big surprises, which, again, most of those come in the last, I would say, four, five episodes, because the first few, they're not essential viewing. It's mostly very minor character stuff. But I would say that the part where the episode, I mean, when the season started to turn for me, was episode six, The Escape, when they introduced mm-hmm. the sire mm-hmm. as a character. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say what exactly, but they give a big hint at him early on, and then that comes into play directly in that episode. And that really helped pick up a lot of the slack from the early episodes, I feel. I like that they brought back, was it Doug Jones who played, what was it, the Baron? Yes, the Baron. Yeah, the Baron. Oh, that's a bit of a spoiler. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Damn it. Well, I mean, it it is, but that dude is funny. He's a really funny actor. He's good people. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like there's some character couplings and groupings here that I feel like if they showed more clips from those characters hanging out just randomly, I would very much enjoy it. Yes, we get a couple, and they're just yeah. very full of chuckles. Just like, yes, this is, yes, I needed this. It's like a spinoffs. Like, like you know what you sign up for with this show. It is lighthearted, it is witty, it is very dumb in places, and it's just, it's comedic relief that is an excellent, when you're in the middle of a shit week, sit down, turn this on, you will have a good time, and you will walk away happy. Did anyone else notice, I don't know if it was in the last episode or the episode before last, where... They're talking about, you know, their plans for, you know, the future and stuff like that. And Laszlo is sitting at the piano and he's playing a theme song. And I was like, I know this. And he's playing the theme song to Matt Berry's other show, Toast of London. Is that what that was? Mm-hmm. I love that. Oh, that's well what done. the joke was there. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I love Toast to London. It's so weird. I watch it. I'm like, what is this show? <laughs> and then he does a, a nice piano intro for the actual show's theme, too. Uh, and they did a Arabic mm-hmm. cover. For Which was neat. That was a good one. I dug that. Yeah. Now, they did try some stuff to push and experiment with the format, which I appreciated. Uh, and like I said earlier... The guest roster they brought this season wasn't as dynamic as the previous ones because, I mean, obviously most people were not available to be in this season. So. Where's my Evan Rachel Wood? Yeah. <laughs> I know. That, that queen. They, they really set a high bar with that that first season, it feels like. So this time you got Donald Logue as himself, which is funny. David Cross shows up for a small but very interesting little gag, which was really funny. A couple surprise ones. Ada Torturo from The Soprano shows up as Nandor's love interest early on. Wow, I did not expect her to show up in this at all. It's like, oh, it's Janice. My gosh. <laughs> Taika Waititi showed up for a hot minute. Yep, as he do. Oh, yeah. In a, in a pre-recorded message. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One that was crazy out of nowhere, Chris Summers as this weird vampire cult leader at a wellness center. Because I'm like, wait a minute, this voice sounds fairly familiar. And then I looked up, I'm like, 
Oh, she's pretty much voice acted every black woman character in every cartoon I've ever watched in my childhood. <laughs> so that was a nice surprise. I think she's a great actress that nobody pays attention to. You know, there's not a whole lot else to say that would really be unique or dynamic with this, that it's more what we do in the shadows. It's just as good looking as ever. It's all the actors are at their top form for the most part. I think it just matters if you found this season as funny as the first two. And I didn't find it as funny, but when it was funny, it was funny. I will say that. Absolutely. I just like vampire shows. I'm a I'm a sucker and a mark for this, so. Yep, I am the target audience. Thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not mad about it. Yeah, no. I, and I think a lot of my complaints I had for this season in terms of the limited scope and production, they can easily rectify it next season. And which it sounds like they're already starting to film season four as we speak. So that's yes. good to hear question didn't we mention like what happened with bean and her subplot i was gonna ask that too i they just dropped it her production schedule got packed and she couldn't come back what else was she working on i don't know she's working on some other shows and just couldn't couldn't do it Uh, she's on impeachment the other american crime story show right now so that's taking up her time and then some other various projects too so but that is weird where they dropped that and then they mostly dropped the subplot with craig robinson where he you know he's part of the vampire hunting group like, there's one guy who shows up from that in a very blink-and-you-miss-it kind of cameo appearance. And that's more or less it. It's like they dropped Bean and they picked up a haunted doll. Yep. Yeah. I, I was not expecting her to become a recurring character throughout the season. But I'm here for it. It was funny. That was one of the better episodes, too, when uh, they really delved into the doll's backstory. Which, I gotta say, when they did those effects for the doll with the weird, like puppet walk it felt like watching that dark crystal show that came out recently with the the weird leg motions and everything it was really impressive which they canceled and i'm still salty about it that show was beautifully done yeah with resistance mm-hmm. yeah it, darn you netflix get your shit together netflix <laughs> oh my gosh. i had a dark crystal themed house party for that when it premiered on netflix i'll yeah. send you pictures from that it was nuts we had all sorts of themed party games anyways not important that sounds amazing yeah, that's one of the that's one of the best things Netflix has ever done. Gosh, I, I think we can get, wind down to final thoughts then. It's it's more what we do in the shadows. I adored the film when it came out, and I do love a good mockumentary. I do love vampire films. I've been obsessed with vampy things since I was very small. I remember being a small child and at, requesting my mother to draw me a pan fire, in which she drew a frying pan on fire. And I got very angry and went, no, 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 a pan fire. And she drew the same thing and pointed at it. So anyways, yes, I'm a mark for this. It's more of the same, more of what you love. And also them put in some weird situations. Like each episode, I had no idea what was going to happen. Nandor's trying to get dates. Nandor, you know, is joining up with some various groups and clubs. And they go to Atlantic City for a while. We get to see them get all gambly with their human friends. They're on the council. Like, there's there's all sorts of stuff going on. I don't have very many, like, bad things to say about this, if I'm being honest. I mean, other than Justin said maybe the production quality wasn't as high, which I didn't really pay that much attention to because the house they're in is fucking gorgeous. So I'm just like, eh, whatever. I'm going to give this... I'm going to say, like, 9 out of 10 power-hungry Guillermo's. Yeah, I'm here for this. Loved it. This is my show. I look forward to this all year. Uh, Colin Robinson's my boy. If you liked the first two seasons, watch this one. You will enjoy. I'm going to give it 8 out of 10 strategically placed siren songs. 
What's your favorite Colin quote? Oh my god. I, it's not even a quote. It's just him running around with his mouth hanging open, just like with the glee in his eyes as people are in pain. It's fabulous. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if I loved it as much as you guys. I didn't dislike this, though. It's really mostly, it's more inconsistent than the previous seasons, but it's not bad. And again, like I said, most of my complaints could be easily rectified if they resolve the COVID situations of what caused it's just the stuff that kept them from being as ambitious as the previous two seasons. The best episodes when they were funny, they were very funny. And I just want to see more, you know, they set up some very interesting stuff, including one totally out of nowhere twist that I did not see coming at the very end of this season. I won't say what, but you just got to see it yourselves, people. It's, it's definitely not what you expected at all. <laughs> so I'm, I'm probably going to give it a little bit lower. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10 very persuasive Best Buy pitches. Because <laughs> I have been that. Uh, you guys say you've been a mark for vampire stuff. I am totally that mark for Best Buy. Because <laughs> I'm just like, oh, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> Don't forget to up your all-night gym memberships, folks. 